RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Beijing announces curbs on US diplomatic staff, including those in Hong Kong. An inquest jury returns an open verdict on the death of a girl whose body was found floating in the sea last year. And the Securities and Futures Commission says it will help police with the next digital shares probe if required. Beijing says it has imposed restrictions on staff at the U.S. Embassy and its consulates on the mainland and in Hong Kong. It hasn't specified what the measures are, but describes the move as reciprocal. Joanne Wong reports. The foreign ministry says the restrictions on American diplomats are in response to earlier curbs on the activities of its embassy staff in the United States. A statement says the unspecified countermeasures will apply to all U.S. embassy and consulate staff, including those in Hong Kong. Last week, Washington said it would require senior Chinese diplomats to get State Department approval before visiting university campuses or holding cultural events with more than 50 people outside mission grounds. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the measures were a response to long-established controls on American diplomats in China. But Beijing says Washington's multiple rounds of restrictions on its diplomatic personnel have disrupted relations between the two countries. It says it has sent a diplomatic note to the U.S. urging it to repeal its wrong decisions as soon as possible. An open verdict has been recorded at the end of an inquest into the death of a teenage girl whose naked body was found in the sea last year. The coroner had earlier told the jury that there wasn't enough evidence for them to be certain that the death of 15-year-old Chan Yin Lam was unlawful or that she killed herself. Our reporter Maggie Ho sent this report from West Kowloon Magistracy. Chen Yin Lam's body was found in waters of Yao Tong on the 20th of September last year. Police announced that she had killed herself, but the teenager was known to have attended anti-government protests and rumors swirled that she had been murdered by officers. 22 witnesses gave evidence at the 11-day hearing. The inquest heard that the girl had a cheerful disposition, but was at times emotional and frustrated at being sent to a children's home. She also complained about hearing voices shortly before she died. After about five hours of deliberation, the juror came back with an open verdict. The foreman told the court that they could not be sure where the teenager died, and since the body was decomposing, there was not enough data to decide the actual cause of her death. The coroner thanked the girl's mother for attending the inquest and said he was saddened by the death of a girl who was obviously a very kind person. He said he hoped that the hearing had provided some truth. The Securities and Futures Commission says it's ready to help the police with an investigation into recent trading of next digital shares if the force wants it to. Police arrested 15 people on Thursday on suspicion of conspiracy to defraud and money laundering relating to a price surge in next digital shares after its founder, Jimmy Lai, was arrested under the national security law last month. The SFC says under a memorandum of understanding it has with the police, both parties have committed to cooperate to the fullest extent possible to perform their regulatory and enforcement functions. It points out that there are offences like money laundering in which both the SFC and the police have jurisdiction and says it can use its powers to obtain information to pass on to the force. 
The MTR says it won't be introducing a new signalling system on the East Rail line tomorrow as planned because it's unsatisfactory and the stability needs to be improved. Bosses say at the moment it's possible that the new system could send trains to the wrong destination. But Chief of Operating Sammy Wong says it's not as serious as it sounds and safety would not be compromised. For this resetting situation, actually it will not affect our automatic train protection system. That is, the train will keep safety distance between trains. Therefore, train service or safety will not be affected. As for the question about the enhancement works, how long will it take? We would like to finish it as quick as possible, but still, we are going to have the enhancement work done properly so that we can deliver a safe and also reliable system to the user of Israel Line. Mr Wong says the new system is actually ready for use, but they want to improve it and make it more reliable. He says the old signalling system will remain in place for now and services on the East Rail Line won't be affected. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past eleven. Cathay Pacific and Cathay Dragon say they won't be applying for money from the government's next round of wage subsidies, a decision that will pave the way for the airlines to make job cuts. Timmy Sung reports. With no end in sight to the coronavirus pandemic, which has struck a crushing blow to the airline industry, loss-making Cafe is planning a major structural revamp at the end of the year. And now it says Cafe Pacific and sister airline Cafe Dragon are going to pass on the second round of the government's employment subsidy scheme. By not taking the money, the two airlines will no longer be bound to keep their current headcount. In the first round of subsidies, the CAFE group received some $680 million to help pay the wages of tens of thousands of employees. In a statement, CAFE's Corporate Affairs General Manager Andy Wong says the operating environment remains extremely challenging and it's inevitable that they will need to adjust the size of the carriers to respond to the reduced travel market. But he says the group will still be able to apply for wage subsidies for staff at several of its subsidiaries, such as the budget carrier Hong Kong Express and Cafe Pacific Catering Services. Cafe reported a loss of almost $10 billion in the first half of the year, as the global aviation industry was devastated by the pandemic. The government came to the rescue by injecting $40 billion into Cafe in exchange for a stake in the company. The chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Carol Ng, has called on CAFE to offer the best possible redundancy package to its staff should it decide to fire them. All these senior staff or long-term serving staff, they must be hearty this time. So I, I think as a reasonable and be socially responsible employer, and please consider to pay them in a very decent package for them to leave. Health authorities have reported 12 new coronavirus cases, with nine of them linked to overseas travel. Five of the new imported cases are domestic helpers who flew into the city on the same flight from the Philippines. Centre for Health Protection's Dr. Chuan Shuk Kwan says the group are represented by the same employment agent, and before coming to Hong Kong, they lived together in Manila. If there is any silent transmission, there may be some transmission in the hospital that's causing them to be detected on arrival to Hong Kong. I think they have taken a test in the airport and then they wait at their respective quarantine hotel for the test result and then they are transferred to the hospital for isolation. The other imported cases came from the UK, Nepal and Bulgaria. 
Federation of Trade Unions has urged the government to give residents vouchers worth at least $8,000 to help revive the economy. Pro-Beijing Party raised the matter with the chief executive, Carrie Lam, as they met to discuss proposals for her upcoming policy address. The FTU says authorities should also give monthly cash subsidies to the jobless, but there shouldn't be another citywide cash handout. Here's lawmaker Alice Mack. We do not suggest to give another cash handout because we want those government money can be spent in the economy. So if we just give them a cash handout, the people will just keep it as a part of their savings. The FTU has also called on the administration to legislate against the spreading of what it calls fake news aimed at dividing society. It says existing laws are insufficient to bringing offenders to justice. The New People's Party says it's told the government that instead of vouchers or cash handouts, it should offer tax incentives for commercial rent reductions as well as cheaper transport for the public. Pro-establishment party is also calling for an eviction ban for businesses which can't afford to pay their rent. Its chairwoman Regina Epps says the government should think of new ideas because the city's reserves are dwindling fast due to previous rounds of relief measures. Cash handouts or, you know, voucher, it's not sustainable. The message I've been getting from many sectors is they want to go back to work. As regards eviction bans, of course, if the government is really to implement it, there ought to be threshold. The government ought to set a threshold to exempt the small property owners who own maybe just a few properties to sustain their livelihood. The chair of economics at the University of Hong Kong, Richard Wong, has called on the government to sell public rental housing units to its existing tenants in order to rebuild the housing ladder and hopefully narrow the wealth gap in society. As Priscilla Ung reports, he says this will provide a quick fix solution to the ongoing social unrest. Professor Wong, who's also the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Hong Kong U, says the city's housing problem is largely to blame for the worsening social sentiment. At a forum organized by the pro-Beijing Our Hong Kong Foundation, he said people's inability to afford a home has substantially widened society's wealth gap. And growing dissatisfaction about this, he said, served as a catalyst to the city's social unrest. If you own a, your own residence, uh, you are on average 30 times wealthier than a person who is a public housing tenant. And that is not because of differences in income and earnings, but differences in asset wealth due to ownership versus tenancy. He said a quick and effective solution to the problem is for the government to sell its public rental housing units to existing tenants. It has now become literally unaffordable for public rental housing tenants to be able to save enough to climb the housing ladder into housing authorities, uh, housing ownership schemes or into private housing because the income gap is rising and the housing price gap is exorbitant. Uh, the housing gap is broken. The whole point of selling public rental housing is to reconstruct and rebuild that housing ladder. When asked if he has oversimplified Hong Kong's social problems by putting the bulk of the blame on housing, Professor Wong conceded that the government has a wide range of other issues that it needs to tackle. No government can address all problems all at the same time. Many problems are difficult to address quickly. Certainly, we have health care problems. 
We have education problems. We have political problems like democracy and freedom. None of them can be addressed quickly. All of them should be addressed. Housing is one problem that can be addressed quickly. He also urged the government to adopt a proactive approach and deal with the city's housing problem head on. Priscilla Ng with that report. Sixers Leung is a step closer to appealing against his conviction for unlawful assembly in 2016. He and fellow disqualified lawmaker Yao Wai Ching had tried to force their way into a LegCo meeting room to retake their oath of office. Jimmy Choi reports. Sixtus Lung has been granted a certificate by the Court of First Instance, which allows him to apply for permission to appeal at the city's top court. He had been found guilty of unlawful assembly and began serving a four-week jail sentence last week. His lawyer says the prosecution didn't prove Lern's intention to commit the offence, and the ouster lawmaker didn't know at the time that his behaviour was likely to leave people in fear and that he would commit a breach of the peace. In his judgment, High Court Judge Wilson Chan, who earlier rejected Lern's appeal against his conviction and sentence, said the court had held that it is not necessary for the prosecution to prove that Lern knew that his behaviour was likely to cause fear. But he noted another case by a High Court judge had ruled otherwise. He agreed that a certificate should be granted regarding this point of law, which he said warrants a determination by the court's final appeal. Lerm was escorted to the court from prison for the latest hearing. He had not requested bail. With a look at this weekend's football action now, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The Premier League returns next Saturday and this weekend the focus in Europe is on international football and the Nations League. England's opponents will bring back some bad memories for them. They face Iceland, who knocked them out of Euro 2016 in one of the most stunning results of that tournament. Manager Gareth Southgate is missing his key defender, Harry Maguire, but has rewarded two of the most promising young Premier League players with call-ups. Manchester United's 18-year-old striker Mason Greenwood, who scored 17 goals last season, and 20-year-old Manchester City star Phil Foden. Aston Villa captain Jack Grealish is also in the squad for the first time. In the same group, Belgium, packed with star names like Kevin De Bruyne and Romelu Lukaku, take on Denmark. Elsewhere, world champions France and European champions Portugal are in the same group. Manchester United striker Anthony Martial is back in the France squad for the first time since March 2018 as they face Sweden. Portugal take on 2018 World Cup runners-up Croatia. Meanwhile, on Sunday in Nations League A, Group 4, Spain hosts Ukraine and Germany take on Switzerland. And a reminder of our top story tonight, Beijing announces curbs on US diplomatic staff, including those in Hong Kong. An inquest jury returns an open verdict on the death of a girl whose body was found floating in the sea last year. And the Securities and Futures Commission says it will help police with their next digital shares probe if required. News from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. A Hong Kong scientist has been awarded the Breakthrough Prize in Life Sciences, along with $24 million for his research. Professor Dennis Lowe of the Chinese University discovered fetal DNA is present in the mother's blood and can be used for prenatal testing. The finding led his team to develop a non-invasive test for Down syndrome and a variety of genetic diseases with the test said to be used on millions of pregnant women every year across the globe. 
Professor Lo told Wendy Wong that he hopes young people in Hong Kong realize there's a career to be made in science, and that they could end up doing work that has an impact on the whole world. In this particular prize, uh, because of its you know, prestige in the scientific field, then as a scientist, I'm very grateful to the uh, committee to actually give me this recognition. And also because many of the previous prize winners, uh, their winning uh, program have actually resulted in significant impact, which can impact on the health of the patients. And of course, in my own area, this is also exactly what I want to do. So I have a particular connection to this prize. Many previous prize winners of this award have got Nobel Prize later. Are you confident that you can get Nobel Prize too? Well, I think that uh, no one can say that they would be confident to get a Nobel Prize. So I think that as a scientist, all we can do is to try our best to do our best work. Uh, whether um, one will receive a prize or not will, of course, depend on the judgment of a prize-giving committee and many other factors. So I really cannot or don't dare to dream about getting a Nobel Prize, but I'll try my best to do my best work. You, you just mentioned that um, many students in Hong Kong are not very interested in studying pure science subjects. Are you a little bit sad that um, many students may think these subjects cannot help them make a lot of money because uh, that's why they, they won't take these subjects? Yeah, I think that probably many uh, students in Hong Kong or their parents, they are more pragmatic. You know, when they choose a career, they like something which is, uh, will give them a stable income so that they can look after the family. But what I do hope is that uh, awards such as this will show that uh, to the students that actually there is a career to be made in science. And I will also say that you know, a conventional career will look after you and your family. But a scientific career, if you make a breakthrough, it could impact the world. Professor Dennis Lowe from Chinese University talking there to RTHK's Wendy Wong. India and China have agreed to quickly disengage from a standoff that has seen gunfire at a disputed border and accusations of kidnapping. The two countries' foreign ministers met yesterday and said they would ease tensions. Soldiers from both sides have periodically skirmished along the poorly demarcated border, called the line of actual control. Anna-Marie Evans asked our New Delhi correspondent, Murali Krishnan, if the diplomatic climb down on both sides has come as a surprise. Well, the fact that, uh, that both the uh, foreign ministers uh, met in Moscow I mean, on the Shanghai Cooperation Summit meeting knew that something was bound to happen. And uh, the fact that, that both them met and talked not once but twice over, there was a fair indication that there, was some, there would be some sort of agreement which would be hammered out. And now after months of aggression at the border, uh, the fact that both countries have agreed to quickly disengage um, uh, troops to ease ongoing tensions is, uh, is, a, is a first step. Uh, there is still a long way to traverse, but the fact that they've agreed to do this is, is definitely uh, a big step in, um, in months of tensions which have prevailed uh, on, in eastern Ladakh and the Himalayan region. I think right now we have to still wait and watch. There is caution on both sides, and, uh, but the deal is significant uh, uh, on, at the same time. Now, the two countries already have an agreement which bans the use of firearms along the border, but, I mean, people died. So were they breaching that order or is that something that's now been introduced? 
Well, that's something. These are all in the realm of uh, you know allegations, uh, accusations, and counter accusations. First time, the, the Chinese alleged that firearms were used by the Indian side. The Indian uh, side uh, sort of uh, uh, countercharged that. So therefore, these are these are that's what's led to these current tensions. And uh, and there was very there was an imperative need to sort of ease that. And the fact that both uh, the both them have agreed now to stop these provocations, such as firing, which have which have been uh, levied on both sides, and other dangerous actions that violate the commitments made by the two sides. That's that's one step forward. I mean, there was actually a talk of actually of uh, the kind of warmongering hysteria which is building up after the allegations of firing um, by either side that this that war could be a possible reality, which no one wanted, and and no, and given the current situation in the world, this was something which India could ill afford. But now I think now the uh, better sense has prevailed. But like I said, uh, the first thing which they have now agreed to do is to restore peace and tranquility on the disputed border. And now the both sides, they've agreed. The first time the f- a five-point a- agreement, which is uh, continue the dialogue, quickly disengage, maintain proper distance, and ease tensions. That statement, I think, will perhaps have to be worked on in letter and spirit. Our new Delhi correspondent, Murli Krishnan, talking to Anne-Marie Evans. The world has now been living with the coronavirus for six months. The World Health Organization declared a pandemic on the 11th of March after the disease emerged from Wuhan. Throughout this time, the BBC has been talking to people around the world to see how they've been affected. Its reporter, Audrey Tinline, takes a look at some of these stories. Welcome to Wuhan. For your safety and that of others, passengers entering Wuhan are required to scan the QR The city of Wuhan in China is home to 11 million people. Today, people are out of their homes, shopping, eating out, going to work and school. Earlier this year, Wuhan was a very different place, deserted and locked down. It was the epicentre of what we now know as COVID-19, a virus which has gone on to kill more than 900,000 people around the world. After being detected in Wuhan in December 2019, it spread quickly. After China, it surfaced in Europe. In northern Italy, the number of cases grew and grew. My name is Luca from Bergamo. Bergamo, near Milan, was the Italian city worst hit by coronavirus before the whole country was locked down in March. I've lost my father, Mario Mazzolini, on March 20. He was uh, 72. Unfortunately, the doctors recognized the COVID symptoms only two weeks after his hospitalization. And coronavirus has not only affected the elderly and the sick. My name is Jan Berg and I'm from Berlin. On May 18, I lost my uncle due to COVID-19 at the age of 46. He was the youngest brother of my dad and also like an older brother for me. They were really close and growing up in that environment, I had the chance to be part of that joyful family bond. At the forefront of the fight against the virus were the healthcare workers. Analysis by the charity Amnesty International found that more than 7,000 health workers worldwide have died from COVID-19. This is Nadia from Shilid, Bangladesh. I'd like to pay tribute to Dr. Moinuddin. He was tested positive during his duty and we couldn't believe that he won't be able to survive. He used to offer voluntary service to the needy ones and for that reason he was known as the doctor of the needy in his village. He was only 50 when he expired. His death is an irreparable loss for all of us. 
Medical staffers said their work was made more dangerous by a lack of protective equipment and by the sheer number of patients. The United States, the world's richest country, has also become the country worst hit by coronavirus. There have been more than 6 million cases. 190,000 people have died. My name is Felita Hicks and I'm a writer living in San Marcos, Texas. A month after I was diagnosed COVID positive, my uncle, Darrell Willis II, was hospitalized in Los Angeles, California. He died on the seventh year anniversary of the Black Lives Matter movement, July 13th, 2020, at the age of 51. Eight days later, my grandfather, Ray Ruff, passed away at the age of 80. And from the world's richest country to one of its poorest, Yemen, a country already in the grip of a bitter civil war. My name is Ahmed Al-Ghubari and I live in Yemen. After five years of bombardment, famine, now we are dealing with coronavirus. My uncle Muhammad Al-Ghubari, 60 years, and my friend Saad Al-Khawi, 32 years old. They struggled for two weeks and then they died from coronavirus. I lost a lot of friends in this war. Six of my best friends died from Saudi airstrikes. And now my close friend Saad Al-Khawi and my uncle died from Corona. Six months on from the declaration of the global pandemic, will governments around the world be able to get the disease under control? Or are those memories of strict lockdowns and overwhelmed hospitals about to be repeated? That report from the BBC's Audrey Tinline. Tomorrow evening, local original live music showcase, The Underground, will be hosting a two-hour live stream music event on YouTube and Facebook with Hong Kong bands Andy Is Typing and Shumking Mansion performing. While venues are shut to live music in Hong Kong because of the coronavirus, Chris B of The Underground is organising and emceeing at an event where you can have a live event from the comfort of your home. Anna-Marie Evans caught up with Chris B to hear more. First live stream ever was super excited. We've got Andy is typing a local light alternative rock band. And then we've got Shum King Mansion, and, and like their name implies, they're a bit madcap, dancey, rock, it's fun. And those of you who've seen them before, seen either of them, know you're going to have a really good show. Yeah, even though it's online. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how do you, how do you, I mean, I've seen certain people like solo guitarists, you know, in their bedroom, or I've even seen, you know, a whole band on Zoom or on YouTube that can actually, you know, you've just got them separate, but have been able to mix it all together. With these particular ones, how are they doing it live stream? They're going to be doing it live. And actually, it's a lovely studio in the nation, which is a really cool name. And uh, it's all set up for live streaming. So the bands are, you know, they'll be playing like they normally do live, like they're on stage. Uh, but they'll be playing to cameras. And then there's a, there's a big screen so the bands can actually see people heckling them, let's say, but via words. <laughs> oh, I see. So people can send messages. 
yeah, on Facebook or YouTube saying, hey, love your hair, love the guitar solo. Oh, my God, I finally <laughs> see you and I'm in France. So there's a nice interactive bit. And, and actually, there's quite a number of people who are like, they're, gonna, they're in the States, they're in the UK. They say, oh, we're going to tune in. Finally, we get to see an underground show. So in some ways, I think having doing the occasional live stream is actually a good thing. can watch this for free but you're also garnering donations where you can for the underground that's right that's right for people who can yeah and if not that's okay too we want you to you know forget your troubles for a couple of hours have a have a few laughs i'll be there doing my usual bilingual emceeing and yeah it's gonna it's gonna be fun we'll do our best to bring you the live experience at home <laughs> so this is yeah. 9 9.30 p.m. till 11.30 p.m. on Saturday evening. This is a live stream involving local bands. Andy is typing and the psychedelic dance rock band Shumking Mansion. Is, it, is that based yeah. on Shumking Mansions? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> the, bass player, the bass player is called Shum. Do you think that this will lead on to the underground doing more live stream? I think so. I think so. Even, even when we go back... To, you know, to how we love it, where we can actually feel the bass and, you know, and everything. I think it's because of that fact that we can actually reach worldwide. People can see, what, what's the fuss about Hong Kong? Oh, they're quite good, aren't they? And for people who miss the scene here and don't live here anymore, it's a nice way to reconnect, I think. People will know you as both a, a singer and a guitarist, but also you've had the underground for 16 years. The Underground, we are 16 years old this year, and normally we do lots of live events. So we've done to over 260 events um, in the past 16 years promoting original music in Hong Kong. So if people want to join okay. in, hear the music, watch watch it live, where do they need to go? Oh, very simple. They go to, they type into their browser, live.undergroundhk.com. And then there's the YouTube video embedded there. Well, they can go to Facebook as well, yeah. This story is part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. And now from the studio. Violent attacks don't just appear in movies. They can happen in real life. If you come across a violent attack, remember to run, hide, report. Run. Leave immediately via a safe route. Don't stay to shoot photos or videos. Hide. If you can't leave the scene, take cover. Don't use any sound-emitting or luminous devices. Report. Call the police when you are safe. Remember, run, hide, report. This information comes from the Interdepartmental Counterterrorism Unit. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Yes, sorry, this is it. Moments to remember. Ray Cudero here with you from now until 1 a.m. with our kind of music. This is Liberace at the piano.